Hello and welcome to the latest Baggies broadcast episode of our summer guest series. My name is Johnny Drury and today I'm not joined by the main man, the Baggies correspondent, Lewis Cox. He's uh, he's left me, unfortunately, but only for a few days. He's off on a well-deserved break, um, but the Baggies broadcast wheel will keep turning today as we've got our latest summer guest episode. We hope you've enjoyed the episode so far this summer with Pat Frost um, and Sam Mantum, as well as Rob Elvins as well, which came out last week. This week, we're sitting down with another former Albion youngster in the form of Rob Davis. And as has been the theme with our, our series this time, we've spoken to a number of youngsters, getting some different stories to the ones we've had on, on previous previous series of guys who've come through the Baggies Academy. And then today's episode, it's the same again, really. Some, some more fascinating stories um, on Rob's journey from a, a sort of sleepy seaside town in Mid Wales to Albion. Um, I think they paid £50,000 for him. And he talks, well, he's got a fa- some fascinating stories. Talks Jeremy Peace, Brian Robson, uh, chances at Albion, how he departed the club, um, advice for youngsters and, and life after football, including how he played a part in one of the biggest parts of, of England football's recent history, uh, which is a, a little bit of an interesting tale towards the end of the podcast. But he talks about a load of things, some funny stories in there as well, and hope you really enjoy the episode and have enjoyed our episodes, which are dropping every Wednesday and are available on SoundCloud, Apple and Spotify. So hope you enjoy the latest episode. Here is when the Baggies broadcast met Rob Davis. Rob Davis, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast. Thanks for your time. How are you? How are you doing? No, appreciate it. It's uh, it's good to actually uh, back in uh, back in the Midlands uh, a couple of months ago actually for the um, for the James Morrison and uh, Bronte's testimonial. So um, yeah, it's good to actually speak to fellow people from from that region as well. But no, I'm doing well. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, what we're going to do, as we do with these these new episodes that we're doing, speaking to former Albion prodigies and and seeing where they've gone with their careers, we're going to go right back to the very start, really, right to when you first sort of kicked the football, got into to football. What was your sort of route, Rob? Was it sort of, I know for probably 90% of young boys around the world, it's sort of football, pick up a ball as a kid. And is that, was that the case for yourself? No, of course. I was introduced um, at a young age. I was, I was four when I first started playing um, and I was lucky enough then to to actually um, be on the books at, at Wrexham, who's my local club um, at the time from the age of six. I say local, um, it was an hour and a half each way. <laughs> Coming from Wales, we're uh, a bit secluded and uh, yeah, there's not not too many teams you you can travel to. So um, yeah, that was my my local team growing up. Um, yeah, and I was fortunate to play from them from the age of six to sixteen. So that's my first recollection of. Uh, of playing football. Yeah, so how did the move that I'm guessing from a young age you sort of had a special talent and Wrexham came and, and sort of snapped you up? Was that the case? Yeah, no, so like I say, it's difficult because at that time as well, obviously you've got schooling, etc. as well. So travelling um, an hour and a half each way is is obviously a big big burden on the family and, and obviously on your on your school life as well, so I say. So, um, but I had so much support from my family and, and even from the schooling where they'd let me leave early um at that time to to kind of travel that distance to to kind of yeah follow my dreams if, if, if put it to one so yeah I suppose that is the, the case isn't it you know you've got a sort of parents got to be sort of committed and and driving you around as you got older was it did, did it become apparent you know when you went through the age groups that you sort of were sort of 
not head and shoulders above the rest, but sort of stood out. You know, obviously, eventually West Brom came and got you. But as you sort of got to 12, 13, 14, was it sort of apparent that you were going to sort of go on and maybe get a move? Or, or what, what was it like around them times? Was there and, and was there any players sort of knocking around your age group at Wrexham who, who went on and, and did, did good things? No, of course. Um, yeah, even looking back now, it's kind of the dream when, when you're younger for, for a lot of, of young boys now is kind of to be that professional footballer and, and to play in the Premier League and, and, and kind of to play for your country. Um, so I was fortunate because because at the time the population of Wales is pretty small um, and you have something called the Victory Shield where all schoolboys, um, if, they're, if they're talented, obviously they, they can work their way up to play for their country. I was fortunate that I actually played um, for the year above and obviously my own, my own age group um, in that competition, um, which is good. But again, the likes of the players coming through at the time, you had uh, yeah, the first the first uh, game against England, there was Aaron Lennon, Tom Huddleston, um, the likes of them. I had Joe Ledley with myself, um, who went on to, to, to win many caps for Wales. Um, and then from that point, then obviously you, you grew up with these guys. And as an example, I made my debut for the 21s with Gareth Bale. <laughs> Yeah. So, so at the time, Gareth is a 16-year-old and he, he's playing for Southampton. Um, and at the time, he was left back. He, he was a quiet lad. Um, but then you, you you don't know what everyone has that dream of of being the most successful you can be. But again, the heights he reached is yeah, even himself probably kicking himself of what he has achieved in the game. So yeah, yeah, and with. When you got to that sort of age, I know we, we spoke off camera with the, where the West Brom sort of link comes in. I think West 16, West Brom came in and bought you. Well, And we'll we'll discuss how that sort of all came around and, and saw what it was like for yourself. But the victory shield, if anyone doesn't know, I think it's under 16s. Is it under 16s, England, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, I believe? Scotland, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So um, it, the, and the, the games are on Sky Sports. So was that the exposure you got to sort of maybe, you know, was, is that what led to the, the move eventually? Yeah, of course. Because I think... For any for any young yeah for any young uh, kid these days it's the aspiration to play in the Victory Shield um, and like you say when you're a when you're a 14 15 year old and it's your first opportunity to to play on Sky Sports it's a it's a big thing um, and obviously my hometown they're going to be proud obviously you, you're representing your country um, I was fortunate that I I done well. <laughs> Um, I managed to score against England um, at the time. I know we lost, but I managed to score against England there um, and score again. I, I scored on my debut as well. So there was again a kind of buzz in that in that sense um, to kind of yeah. It's just that opportunity. If, if you if you play well across those games, then you're going to be in the in the spotlight for for clubs, especially with myself being at a a smaller club at the time being Wrexham. Um, yeah. Were you around, I suppose you were 16 then, were, were you sort of around the first team at, at Wrexham? I suppose Wrexham would probably been in the Football League back then. Yeah, so at the time Wrexham was, um, they, they was in League One, um, doing well. So at the time, as an example, Cardiff and Swansea were in League Two. Yeah. Um, so they were, times change. Yeah, so they were, they were the kind of bigger team at the time. Um, but again, I was, I was still in school. Um, I managed to, to play at, the under 19s when I was when I was still 14, 15, um, and occasionally I'd, I'd be on the bench for for the reserve team. But again, when you're going from 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 kids football then into into the the men's league, should I say, it's a completely different um, 
different kettle of fish. Yeah, and on the back of that victory shield, how how long after was it that sort of the West Brom interest came, and how how long after was it that the move came about to West Brom? So again, there were there, there was talks, and, and as an example, um, Rob Elvins, who's who's been on one of your previous podcasts, um, we we played West Brom when West Brom had just moved into their new um, training facilities, the, the academy, um, the dome. No, it wasn't even the dome. It was the, dome, yeah. it was the training, the training oh, center okay. in, in um, not off, not far from the Scott Arms. And um, at the time, West Brom were in the Premier League, um, and obviously Wrexham League One at the time. We we came to uh, to there was under 16s, I believe, under 15s or under 16s, and I think the scores eight one. We won eight one. So at the time, then they're thinking, okay, well. 8-1, they must be doing something well. And at the time, we, we we was an academy, and I don't believe West Brom were at the time as well. So as times have changed, obviously, West Brom have obviously developed the youth and, and obviously yeah. all the facilities and everything around it. But at the time, Wrexham were actually more advanced than, than West Brom were at the time. So um, that was, one of the, again, one of the reasons. And then from that perspective, um, at the time, Craig Shakespeare was, was the manager. Um, he he come sat down with me a couple of times just to see what what my kind of interests were moving forward, should I say? Um, and then from that point, um, yeah, then then it went to a testimonial because of because of my age as well. Yeah, and was there other interest? You know, obviously you said there you you'd scored in the Victory Shield, which yeah. you know I'm sure scouts of another country look watch them games and, and attend them games. Was it was it just West Brom in, or was it were there, were there other clubs around or? No, so I had um, at the time um, Man City. I think were in League One or the Championship at the time because they'd gone down to two leagues. Um, so there was Man City. I went to, to look at the, the facilities and things there. And at the time, it wasn't the Man City of, of today. Um, you had Aston Villa um, and uh, Wolves as well. Um, but again, West Brom took my 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 interest. In the fact that you had at the time you had the Chambers twins, um, you had Lloyd Dyer, and I could see I could see the young the younger guys getting that opportunity to be involved with the first team, um, whereas the likes of Man City had the had people like Stephen Ireland, um, Willow Flood, who again played for the first team. Um, so I seen the opportunity more at West Brom to to kind of advance, um, and then they showed the great greater interest, should I say so. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's commendable for a 16-year-old to look at that. Look what you mentioned there, the Chambers twins, Lloyd Diary. Uh, you know, he didn't play a massive amount of games, but he had an impact at Albion. For yes. you, to, it's quite mature for a player that age to, to look at that, really. I suppose, I suppose some players might, you know, get heads turned by agents or go to, a, you know, obviously Man City, a bigger club. You know, that's quite... Was that was that your thing at the time? You know, you, you sort of considered all these different possibilities, really. Yeah, of course. And it's just that feeling. And, and again, when, when you... When I've gone to, because I went to to look at all the clubs and and kind of get a feel for where they're at, um, what they want to achieve, and I just I just think I don't know. West Brom just felt like it was home at the time, so it, it was I can't I can't explain the feeling, but it was you just know um, that if things go right and and they believe in you as well, that you're that you're only going to achieve great things. Yeah, you mentioned they had to go to a tribunal because you were of your age. You know what what was that like? Was that yeah, so to sort of have two clubs wrangling for you. No, so again, the, the funny story is obviously 
one thing is obviously I've been at Wrexham from the age of six to 16. Um, so again, with it being a smaller um, club and it being Welsh, et cetera, et cetera, obviously you want the best for them as well. Um, and, and they wanted the best for me. And they knew that with the growth aspirations and the interest from West Brom that by me going to West Brom, that they knew that I had a, a clear pathway. So again, the tribunal is a funny story because one week uh, of being at West Brom, um, Craig said to me, it, it was, it was pre-season, everyone went home for the weekend and obviously because I was in Wales, I was, I was in digs on my own. Um, Whereabouts were your digs? In, you remember? In, in the Scott Arms, yeah, I was in Scott yeah. Arms. Um, so Craig was like, oh, um, be ready tomorrow. Um, you're going to get picked up and then you have the tribunal. So I was like, okay. So then, nine just for anyone listening, the tribunals for because the clubs can't decide on a fee. Is that that yes. is that correct? Yeah. So so a tribunal go is again it it's it goes if you like say if you can't agree on a fee, they go to a tribunal and then a board decides right this is what's owed in regards to your training etc. from from the the, the prior club. Um, so I got a knock on the door and um, it was the secretary at the time. Um, his name sees me. Uh, John Evans. It was John Evans. John Evans. Yeah. Um, and so walk walk to the car. There's a, a nice chauffeur-driven car. Um, and then get in the back, and then there's Jeremy Peace. <laughs> so what year would this be? Just for a bit of context, it's been sort of early 2000s then, but yeah, 2004, 2005, I think. 2004, five. So the, the, the yes, yeah, so season been in the Premier League, yeah. the Great Escape season. Yeah, the season before the Great Escape, it was. Before the Great Escape. So, at the time, so, but the tribunal was held in crew. Okay. So, we're, we're in the Scott Arms, obviously, then I got in the car. I'm a 16-year-old from, from Wales. Um, and again, I'm sat there with the chairman of, of West Brom at the time. Um, what was that conversation like on the way up? No, it, to be fair, he's, and again, because he's a businessman, he's switched on. Yeah. He's, he's, and again, what he'd done for the club, I believe, was, set them up at that point to to move forward and he's a big driving force behind that and um so obviously gone gone to the tribunal and um secretary and, and jeremy go in have their chat then they come out and then i go in and again same questions okay so why do you want to be at west brom da, 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 the questions so is that the t- is that how it, they're just asking you about why you want to go to West Brom essentially? Yeah, of course. I, I think they want to see that you haven't been forced into something as well that you that you don't necessarily want want to. So um, then we came out and then they're like, okay, like you can go now. We'll we'll let you know what the like what what the outcome is. So then obviously we're on the drive back then, and then phone call comes through, and then like silence and then um obviously jeremy the chairman then goes so do you know do you want to know what you're worth <laughs> <laughs> that so must be a strange question for a 16 year old to answer no of course so then we had this little little chuckle and obviously it wasn't just straightforward as that but yeah that that's as straightforward as it is and whatever the the board of uh, at the tribunal agree on that's the fee that the club has to pay yeah and what was the what was the fee because I, I did a bit of research and you know, Wikipedia is not the most reliable on websites. What was no, what no. was the fee that they actually agreed to pay in the end? No, so the initial fee um, at that point was fifty thousand. 
um, and then had add-ons and, and different things. But yeah, that was the initial fee for a 16-year-old at yeah. that time. What, so, what, what was your reaction when you heard that? You sort of, well, of course, because again, it, no. What once you have that fee on your head, then you have expectations as yeah. well. So it, it's kind of, and at the time, for for a 16-year-old, 50,000 is a lot of money. Um, again, I think that was the record fee at the time. Um, obviously, you're talking 20 years ago now. So it's at the time a lot of money, um, but yeah, it's it just comes part and parcel with, with with what you're doing. I think at that time, and you can't let that affect you in regards to what your what your final destination is as well. So yeah, so that's all signed. You get back to the Hawthorns. Is it sort of move to the Midlands then and get straight to work? And and uh, how does that work as a 16 year old? That must be. I know this has been built up, and you know clubs have been interested in you, but. Yeah. How, how does that work? Because that's a big, big step to make. No, of course. And I think testament to West Brom at the time is they did look after me in regards to making sure that I was OK. Then um, you had um, you had a player liaison officer that was there as well. Um, and then even from your education perspective, they made sure that you've done your education and that come first. And yeah, so there's all these things around it. And, and again, anything that you that you needed, they were there. They were kind of there for you as well. So I can't fault them in any way. To be honest with you, so yeah. So what was it like coming in? Obviously coming in at sixteen, you're coming in with all the youth players. You want a you want a professional contract then, Rob, because you've been bought, or you want a, a youth contract or a no, youth contract the same as everyone else? Yeah, um, yeah. You can't uh, officially sign a pro contract till you're seventeen. Yeah. So at the time I'm sixteen. Okay. Um, what was it like coming in? Because obviously I imagine I you know spoke to Rob Elvins the other day, and he'd been there for a few years, and yeah. and. A lot of other guys around that time who've probably been for Albion since they were, you know, eight, eight, nine, ten. You're coming in at sixteen, maybe a bit of a big cheese that the club has sort of bought in. What was it like coming into that? No, of course. And again, from Rob's perspective, because um, obviously playing against him and then like winning, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is obviously that then they must be thinking. I uh, even from my perspective, I'm thinking, okay, what are they thinking of me now? Because like you say, they've bought me, they bought me in. There's big expectations. But again, I don't go into, it's the same thing in anything in life. I don't go into anywhere expecting anything. And again, I probably have to work harder to earn their respect as teammates. But again, they understand that the ambition is that we win together. Because again, we're teammates at the end of the day and we, and we need to, to pull together to, to kind of be successful. So that was my mentality the whole time. Um, and again, moving away from from Wales at 16, obviously all my family um, were there in Wales. So it wasn't a case of, right, I know now with, with a lot of younger players, they will move their families to a certain location with them just to make sure that they're, they're, they're fully settled and stuff. But mine was, yeah, away you go, one week after school, see you later. Yeah, how was, uh, how was that? Where did you move to? I'm guessing you moved out of the sort of place, the digs you were staying in, did you move? So I know sometimes players stay with families or something like that. What? what was yeah, that no, so I, was, I, was with a, I was with a family. Um, I was with a family in, like, say, in, in the Scott Arms. There, um, it wasn't too far from the from the training ground, to be honest, which was which was good. But to be honest, on the weekends, obviously, got a bit lonely because all the other guys would have gone home. Obviously, yeah. Rob Rob Elvins, who he lived in Alvechurch, I believe, or Bromsgrove area. Um, he would he would go back to Bromsgrove and a few of the other guys, but yeah, you just you just knuckle down, and I used to tend to, to do extra training on the weekends then. Um, 
the, the the club was still open so I kind of would go in do extra training with the with the physios or or with the the fitness coach um which obviously put me in a good stead then and I mean moving forward so did that make a difference you know at the time just in terms of you're 16 how how long is it until you're sort of in the eye of the first team because Gary Megson would have been the manager when you came in as a as a youngster yeah so um yeah Gary was was the manager then um the good thing for me was um, you have the likes of good senior players at the t- at the time, like your Darren Moores, your Moros. Um, they kind of knew the, knew the situation and knew how to handle it as well, if that makes sense. So you've got a new guy coming in from Wales, um, big expectation. Um, they kind of would talk to you and just make sure, like with Andy Johnson, um, obviously with the Welsh, Welsh connections there as well. Um, they'd obviously make sure that I was that I was okay as well. Um, but yeah, and then from that was the first season. Um, quickly. Are you straight in training with the first team then at sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. Yeah. Um, they used to obviously they used to take a couple of the guys, integrate them, um, and then put them back um, just to see how they kind of adapted. Um, but yeah, and then from that point, then I signed my um, contract, my professional contract at seventeen, and then. From that point, then straight in the first team changing room, and away you go. <laughs> yeah, how was the how was it early on with the first team? Was there any sort of well, I know there's some jokers in there because you just mentioned Andy Johnson's name, but was there any sort of funny tales? Were you on the wrong end of any sort of pranks that they sort of pick on the youngsters at all, or uh, what was it, any sort of tales from that time? No, um, there there is a lot of obviously funny stories. Yeah. Um, some that can't some that can't be told on a family podcast is what yes. we uh, we get a lot. No, there, there was there's a few where even um, I mentioned the testimonial that I played played in um, a few months back and Andy Johnson he hates uh, cotton wool. Cotton wool, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hates cotton wool. Um, and at the time, then you've got uh, Jonathan Green in, Jeff Horsfield, Paul Robinson, all these guys, and they one day he'd come back from training and they put cotton wool all in his in his clothes. So, so Jono being Jono, the big prankster, um, he, he's got, uh, how do I explain this in the nicest possible way? He's got <laughs> mouse traps, should I say? That's it. I think I might have heard this one yes. before. Yeah. So he, he literally put it in, he, he, he caught loads of mice. He put the mice in their clothes. He would put them in, in, in the guy's cars everywhere and they were just finding them everywhere. But and then another one is um, he then he super glued um, Jeff Horsfield's shoes to the wall, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you couldn't take them off. Yeah. Um, but there's always stories. Again, even from that perspective, then you had uh, Kevin Campbell that came in after that. You had John Hartson. Um, obviously, Rob. I was got number 26. Rob was 27, and uh, Carnu was number 25. So I used to sit next to Carnu every day. Yeah. I was. So, I was that. I asked. I asked Rob about. About Carney, probably the the most laid back man you'll probably ever ever meet. No, of course, and I believe he still lived in London. So every single day he'd be late, every day. Um, and even from the fines perspective, because we used to get we used to get fined a certain amount, and then we'd get fined per minute that you're late. Oh God! So, yes. so I imagine he racked up a fair bill. Yes. So there there was one day I believe he came in with an open check. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's good. It's good fun. And again, even from again, he's on about funny stories. We uh, and this obviously is testament to, to John Hartson as well. 
obviously John, he'd signed from Celtic at the time and obviously he's a big player for West Brom at that point. And um, we'd gone on pre-season tour that, that season to to Scotland. And um, we'd finished we'd finished the tour and we'd gone and we, we was over in Edinburgh. And we were thinking, so the gaffer at the time, Robson, would give us a night off and we're like, all right, John, where can we go for food? Where can we have a, a to kind of relax? And he's kind of like, right, let's go to Glasgow. So you can imagine you've got all these taxis turn up at this hotel in Edinburgh and they're like, right, where are you going? Glasgow. Get to Glasgow. And we had a great evening. On the way back, like, John's got in the car and he's, and he's just in his underwear, right? And you're like, what are you doing? And then you look out the window and there's a, there's a homeless guy. John would give him a load of money and give him all his clothes. Christ. Literally in your life. What a story. Yeah, so it's funny because obviously him at the time he was he's a hero up in 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 um in Glasgow for Celtic, but it was just funny just to see the way that the the senior boys kind of were still young in mind, shall I say? Yeah, yeah. When you went first went in, so the the first season you went into the first team, would that have been oh four oh five or was it the one? Yes, yeah, so first season was, was the Great Escape. Great Escape season, yeah. yes. Um, so who did you, was there any first team players you mentioned? Darren Moore, there, you know, a lovely chap and. Was yeah. there any other senior players who you who sort of gravitated towards you or, or, or really helped you during that, that period? Well, at that point, so you had, um, at that point then, that's this the season. So Rob and myself actually were fortunate to be uh, on, well, in the squad that travelled to, to Man United, um, to Old Trafford. Okay, yeah. And, um, that's sec- second to last game of the season, I think. Yeah, we drew we drew one all. One all, that's it. A penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, Earnshaw. So again, from from Robbie's perspective, obviously I grew up for Wales with Robbie as well. Um, but again, it's so surreal at the, at the point because you're still young. You see all these, as an example, you see all the likes of Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes. Um, I know Rooney's slightly older, but he's still at that time he was established. Um, they was all on the bench, <laughs> um, and then. Obviously, you had Cristiano Ronaldo, who actually played that game as well. Um, and it's a game that Russell Holt, I think he came off injured, and Thomas Kuzak. Thomas Kuzak went and he had an absolute world of a game. Yeah. And then, obviously, from that point, Man United actually yeah, yeah, bought. signed it, yeah. So, it, it, it's surreal to think then, because I'm a, actually a Man United fan. So, at that time, you, you're thinking, oh, OK, well, you're looking at all these things. And, again, you've got Alex Ferguson and, and all the rest of it. But you don't look at it in regards to awe, in regards to, oh, look at these players. Because at the end of the day, they're doing a job just the same way that you are. So it's it, it's surreal in one way, but then it, it's kind of, right, well, to be successful, you can't think in a way that, that you look up to these people. You just have to be like, I want to be better than you, if that makes sense. In terms of managers, you, you obviously the start of that season was Gary Megson. Yeah. Taken Albin up a couple of times. He, I think he only lasted about 10 or 12 games that season and Brian Robson came in. How did you get on with, with both of them? What were they What were they like? with you starting with sort of Gary Megson, what was he like? Because he would have been there when you were obviously born. No, the club. of course. Um, completely different, <laughs> to be honest. Um, completely different management style. Um, whereas with with Robson, as an example, he, even in training, he would join in training. He would, he would still give it 110%. He would still, he'd be running around. He'd be flying through tackles with the guys. Um, and he just demanded that respect. And it, it, the difference 
in styles is everyone has their, their own style. Um, and I think at that point was it needed someone like Bron Robson to come in and take it to that next level, if that makes sense. Um, he, yeah, he's he's done everything he can in football. Um, but again, his his management style, I preferred more, if that makes sense. Yeah, was it was he sort of arm around the shoulder more with the, the youngsters or did he get you involved more? Yeah, he gets you involved more, um, kind of explains things to you, his rationale or reasoning behind things. Um, again, he gave me my debut, so I'm always going to speak highly of him. Um, but again, anyone that you speak to in football will have the utmost respect um, and the highest respect for him, um, yeah. just because of what he'd achieved as a player, but more so then what he then tried to pass down or pass across to to the team at that point and again he never felt you always felt confident with him if that makes sense um yeah it, it's hard to explain but he, he, yeah his his man management is is different whereas Megson's would more be his attention to detail in regards to like set pieces and and those kind of things he would focus more on whereas Bram Robson would be more freely and just let you express yourself more. Yeah. In terms of that season, you were you around, were you sort of travelling with the first team squad for every game or? Yes, pretty much. So would, that's so would you would you have been in the, because I know, and I've asked the people who played in this game and we've never really got too much out of them. The game that Gary Megson was sacked and I think they lost 3-0 away at Crystal Palace. Would you have been around the dressing room or travel with that squad or? No, not that one. No. Um Again, I'm trying to think back to the times. That's I a think long there was a few sort of boot, there was a few boots and fists flying that day, so I'm sure you probably uh, probably avoided uh, avoided a little bit yeah. of aggro. <laughs> and, the, and the thing it, again, it, it's heated. Not I'm not talking about that in, like incident now, but again, where there's I've been in many changing rooms where it's because the guys are so passionate. It's they want to win, they want to succeed. There is going to be heated words. There's no other. There's no other industry in in this world that you can say these words without getting sacked. Yeah. It, it's it's so surreal because it's kind of yeah, and it's just left. It's just left there, and then that's it. Shower change. Okay. Well, and I think it's because the reason the guys have been so successful is because they care. The there is fire in the belly nice in the head I've always been told but sometimes they have fire in the head and fire in the belly because if you've lost as an example and it's important it's just showing that you actually care you'd be more sorry sorry Rob. I was gonna say you'd be you'd be more worried as a player if if you lost and your care, teammates yeah. sat there and they don't care yeah in in that that season um were you what was it like sort of were you when did it first became close for you you know maybe making an appearance or went or getting on the bench you know obviously you've, you said there you traveled with the squad at old trafford can you remember the first time you were maybe named on the bench or involved yeah because or... that, that that season um obviously was i was 17 um then the following season um was my my season then again so the, the first um was traveling i traveled a lot and i was kind of 17th 18th man just for the experience and then we played Wigan uh, away. And it's when I think... Just to save, 
the yes, two-sack two, two save. Yeah, two, yeah. Two and again, I'm I'm really close with Martin Albrookson, um, and I still I still speak to him now. We we kind of holiday together, etc. Yeah, he's another one we've got. We've got his episode coming up in the summer. We spoke to him a few weeks ago as well. So. Yeah, he's 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 a good guy. He's a good guy, he's, yeah. Uh, and again, even from that because. Um, he was the record transfer fee for us at the time when when yeah. Megson was there. Um, and again, he'd come in, and obviously people didn't know too much about him. And again, I could, yeah, just it just sense at that time that you, could you relate to that a bit, Rob, coming in, you know, coming no, in as well, like, like when and you again, he's come over from obviously from Denmark at the time. Um, and I, when you look back now, everyone's still young. Like I'm, I'm yeah. 36 now, but you look back and you go, actually, if you early 20s at that time you, you're looking at say you're 17 you look at someone 23 24 you're thinking they're old <laughs> well actually okay. not so relating back to him yeah it's kind of and I think that's why we we got on quite well um and obviously to this day still get on well well again, just, just on that as well you mentioned foreign players it's just something I'd written down what was it like obviously Albion probably up until that point there hasn't been a lot of foreign players in the Albion squad yeah. you know even prior to that but when you that first season you're there and and beyond you've got the likes of you say Kanu, Zoltan Gear is in that dressing room yeah. uh Martin Olbrookson's another one Thomas Kushak uh, just gonna rattle off a few off the off the top of my head what what were they like with the with sort of you youngsters it, it, what were they all types of people you could probably relate to because they're coming into a sort of strange environment that that they've you know never played in England before and no of course and I think like you say you, you've got Again, your traditional old school um, kind of your Robos, your kind of Jeff, Jonathan Greenings, and then like you say, you just mentioned then Zoltan. I remember the first time the first time Zoltan come in, and if you if you look at someone and you you perceive someone by the way that they look, you'd be like, he looks like a geography teacher. <laughs> no, no disrespect to geography teachers, by the way, but he'd come in and he was in his cords and he's really smartly dressed, whereas the other guys, other sporting athletes would come in in tracksuits or kind of the modern day player would probably have a snapback on or yeah. kind of that kind of style. Um, but as soon as he got on the pitch, what, what a player, <laughs> what a player. But then you had the likes of Janichi and Emoto. Um, There's so many, so many good players that, that came through. Um, another player that's not foreign, but Jason Kumas. He is someone who we like to talk about an awful lot on the the part. I suppose so. When you come in, Alvin would have just gone up to oh three oh four. So Kumas was sensational that season. Then he played. He didn't play an awful lot. I don't think in the Great Escape season. I think he went on loan the next season and then sort of he had another second spell at Albion. What was it like from your perspective? Obviously Welshman as well. So no, did that, did that help? No, of course. Because again, when you go to the camps, again I was. I didn't feature in, in the senior team for Wales, um, but again, we would the, the 21s and the seniors would stay in the same hotel, train on the same pitches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I was still with them guys. Um, but again, no, it's it's good. And from an ability perspective, he is probably one of the most gifted players that if you ask any player that probably comes on this podcast. If his yeah, ability, that's plenty, yeah. his ability on the day would be. It's just again, it's but then it's that consistency. If if someone's then consistent, um, that's what that's what determines this the, those fine margins. Um, but yeah, but again, back back to that um, example, back to that Wigan Wigan game. 
Um, and I know Moro, Darren Moore got sent off. So we went down to 10 men. Yeah. They brought on uh, they brought on Martin Orbrickson, um, who actually got the winning goal for us in, in that game. And um, I know Paul Robinson had gone down injured. With, I think he may have had cramp at the one point. So, <laughs> and at the time you've got Jimmy Bullard playing right wing for, for Wigan. So then he's turned... Robson's turned around to the bench. You've got myself, Richard Chaplow, and Robert Earnshaw on the bench. <laughs> He's like, right, which one of you wants to play left back? <laughs> but Robbo got up and he was fine. So at that point, that was that was obviously the first um, time for me being on on the bench. Then and then the following week was the FA Cup when we played uh, Reading, which I then made my debut, f- um, and I come on for Janichi Nomoto actually. Uh, but again, unfortunately, we lost that game because Leroy Elite scored a hat trick. I believe it was. Yeah, but. I think it was. I'm just looking before, I think it was. I think Richard Chaplow scored both of uh, Albion's, Albion's yeah. goals that day. What was it like for you coming on? Was it were you expecting it? Were you all sort of brief before it was a cup game, so they play the youngsters a little bit more? Yeah, no, I think the thing is at the time, I believe Reading may have been in the Championship. I think they were top of the Championship, and we was in the Premier League at the time. Um, but when when you're playing with the likes of Carnu, Kevin Campbell, John Hartson, Kumas, Zoltan Gira, the likes of these every day, there's nothing that can phase you when, when no disrespect to Reading at the time, but yeah, you're playing with these guys day in, day out. So you're, you're prepared. So when you do make your debut, it's just like you're, you're, you're still training, should I say. And what were they, was that in terms of, Sort of them, sort of laying laying into your training if you're not doing it properly, or you know keeping you on your toes. No, of course. The, the good thing is, what you quickly will identify with, especially with the senior players, is if they are telling you off, or like you say, they're running around rattling you, or they're they're encouraging you, it's because they believe in you as well. Um, it's if they don't say anything to you, then yeah, you're either really, really, well, rather really good. Or yeah, you just know that they. Does it know. ever overstep the mark, Rob? This is this is sort of a question from my point of view. I listen to a lot of podcasts with players from years ago, and and they always say, you know, we, we hear we've heard about it in academies and stuff in mm. recent years. People sort of accused of bullying and stuff, but a lot, you know, way back or, or not even way back, it was sort of character building and stuff. Was, yeah. was that what it was? That a lot of Albion was it sort of character building and. Like you said, because then players believed in you and they sort of would lay into you because of that reason. Yeah, I think it. Like the, I know now even with health and safety, you can't even. I don't even think the guys brush the showers or clean the boots or all that kind of thing now. And I think we used to have to do the kit, clean the showers, clean the boots. Whereas you then go to the time where the Wrexham uh, youth team, they would literally be doing everything they'll be cleaning the minibuses they'll be kind of all these things that they can't kind of get away with these days um and it does it kind of hardens you as one as a i've always had football as a grounding in, for for life in regards to this is the grounding that's going to make you for the future whereas hard times make hard people whereas soft times make you kind of need to be hot yeah so I think to your point there with with senior guys is there's two aspects to it because if they're older and established and you're coming through and then 
you've actually got a bit about you in regards to you could take their place. They're going to be threatened. So if they've got a chance to go through you in training, and I know they probably say they wouldn't, but it is a yeah. cutthroat business. And again, if, if they've got a two-year contract left or a one-year contract, and then a young guy's coming through and they think, oh, actually, he's going to take my place. If the, if the opportunity's there, which they, it shouldn't, and they had the chance to, to smash you in a challenge, they would. Yeah, it's all it's it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, how these sort of things play out with with that season, Rob. Uh, obviously, Albion ultimately got relegated that season. Yeah. What was what was your situation then? Did you did you get close to any more appearances? I'm sure you know. Obviously, they're in a bit of a dogfight there, so they're trying to scrap for results. And what 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 was your situation sort of to the end of towards the end of that season, and then leading into the summer, which then headed into the championship. Yeah. So at that point then is. I even I thought to myself, right, this is the opportunity now to kind of grasp this. And again, where some of the the kind of high earners, should I say, would have um, stayed in the Premier League or, or the higher players would have obviously moved on. Um, but then they brought in new players. Um, and at that point, West Brom was kind of not a yo-yo club, but gone down. They want to get back up. Yeah. So was they going to risk then an 18-year-old to kind of, and roll the dice to get them back up or are they going to go and spend two three million pounds on bringing a player that has an instant win yeah so did, you, did you did you sort of so you you thought you might go up the pecking order but you just sort of maybe stayed where you are or yes yeah so that did, what, and, did brian robson tell you you'd be put still be part of the or be part of the first team squad or no, be no, part he of the did. Plans, yeah he did and then from that perspective he, he then got he got sacked after that and then it, tony mowbray came in yeah and from Tony's perspective, then he's bringing in his own players. And again, if if Brian Robson had stayed there, I would have had more of an opportunity. Um, and then from that perspective, then you're thinking to yourself, right, where, what's my next step? Because if I'm not going to get an opportunity here, unfortunately, it's going to you're going to have to look elsewhere. And where is that? Where is the opportunity now? Because you don't want to be 20, 21, 22, and have a handful of games because the difficulty is then you've got other people that have become more established at a, a lesser club. So that's why I was, I always advise younger players now that two things is if you're in it for financial gain, you're going to struggle as in you'll have one good contract and then that's it. If you're, if you're hungry, you have to take the risk in regards to going out on loan and establishing yourself to then come back and go into the thing. You look That's at the all, way you achieve the longevity of you get not the one contract, the two, three, yeah. four, five. Because then, because then what will happen is if you go out on loan, you prove yourself. They will then see they'll see something in you that they might give you one year, two year extension on your contract. Whereas if you've got a four year contract and you haven't played a game, they're kind of thinking, well, You've played four years of reserves. Now what are we going to do with you? So it's kind of, right, go to step down, maybe step down two levels and become a bigger fish in a smaller pond and then build yourself back up. That's that's the that's the advice that I would give to, to younger players as such. 
Were is, you involved in the squad then, moving towards Robson's being being sacked? But so I think he was there for about eight games at the start of the, the championship season. Were you, yeah, were so you in I was, and around it, or did you already yeah, sense so, that you might have to go and do that and go out on loan? No, of course. So again, I was um, that season. I was the actual games on the bench. Charlton away, um, Leeds, Leeds away as well. Um, I think Diamante Camera scored a hat trick that game, I believe. Yeah, so, rings the ring the bell. Um, and then obviously then just travelling with the squad but then you also think to yourself well okay what do I need to do now so do I need to drop down to League One and then kind of build myself up at that point so yeah it's different and the thing is in football things change very very quickly so there's an example where you could be third choice as an example one of the players gets injured the other one gets sent off there's no one else that can play that position so then you're straight in so it, it can happen very quickly or two people might get injured in the same game and it might be bad injuries. So again, there's so many so many moving objects that can happen and one week in football is is like a month. Could you see a shift when, when Tony Mowbray came in, obviously to West Brom, you know, I'm a West Brom fan myself, to West Brom fans, yeah. Tony Mowbray is still to this day remains a god for what he did at Albion who got them up and, and yeah. played such attractive football. But I suppose for you, Youngsters, you know, we talked to Rob Elvins about it as well. When he came in, it was a little bit detrimental to you guys who were, I'm guessing, in the final year of your contracts. You know, yeah. as you said, Albion were desperate to get out. What was he like with you? Did he keep you involved or, you know, did he did he still interact with you or? Um, not so much with myself. I'm not sure, obviously, what, obviously Rob's, um, obviously relationships are different with everyone. But even from that perspective is, yeah, even with my contract renewal, it was Craig Shakespeare that had to speak to me. It wasn't, it wasn't Tony Mowbray. Whereas Brian Robson would have been the person to, okay, I'll speak to him. This is a situation, I'll help you. This is a situation where, to be fair, didn't have uh, that rapport with, with Tony at the time. He's come in, he's he come in from, was it Hibs, I believe? Hibs, yeah. Hibs. And again, from, from that perspective, and he needed results, he got results, so testament to him as well. So, but yeah, there's... <laughs> There's nothing I can say. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Was it? So did you get have low? I've got that. You went on loads to Kidderminster at one point. Um, a trial at Colchester. I don't know how true that is. Was was that in that season? Were you were you looking to get out on loan? Did you sort of see yeah, so again, not the beginning it, of the end, but did you see you needed to move on? Yeah. So obviously at the time, Colchester were in the Championship at the time. Um, we had uh, Chris Ulumu um, and a couple of other guys there. So at the time, the the manager was actually Welsh. Um, so from that connection, so obviously gone there, obviously things didn't work out. Um, and then from that point, I then um, had an offer to sign for Brentford. Brentford at the time were in League Two, I believe, League Two or League One. Um, but then I decided to move abroad. <laughs> yeah. So was this just in terms of time frame? So we got the start of that season, Mowbray's come in. Are you still under contract then till the summer? Yeah. Rob. So did you go out on loan in that time or were you just waiting you know, for the contract to run out and to then move on? Yeah, so from, from that perspective, is then weighing up the options. Because I believe I, I can't believe I was I injured. I think I may have been injured at one point. Um, nothing serious, but again, an injury's an injury. Um, and then when you're trying to get back up to full fitness, and at that point, if you're not playing competitive games as much, because again, with with the reserve league, is not as much as as you'd like. Um, and at that point, yeah. I I can see the writing on the wall, shall I say, at that point. Yeah, and with your with that, you know, I'm guessing at the time you probably had an agent, you know, 
was was there a lot of offers on the on the table? Because I remember talking to um, a guy who went from Shrewsbury to Manchester United, and he was there till he was eighteen. Then he got released, and sort of because you haven't played a lot of senior games, you know, some people think, oh, he's at West Brom, a League yeah. One club or a League Two club, they'll be lining up to take them on. You know, with him, I think he went and ended up playing for Stourbridge in the end. Um, what what was it like for you in terms of trying to find a move and try and find no, the right move? You said that you went to Spain in the end, but yeah. what was no, it I, like? I, at the time, obviously, I, was, I had Cyril Regis um, as my as my agent at the time. Um, and again, obviously, Cyril worked hard to, to get the moves. Um, again, an, an example, and back to my point of, of, of young players coming through now, is if you get to a certain age and you've played so many under 23 games or you've played youth is, is to go out and, and get that first team experience because I've seen it time after time after time and again there's an example where you've got here's an example you have a, let's use Chelsea as an example you could be at Chelsea and you're an 18 year old not in the first team you're on half a million pound a year salary okay then you go okay my contract's up next year I'm going to go on. I, I, I'm going to go and find, like you say, another League One or a Championship club. Well, you're going to be the highest earning player in that team with no experience. So they would then go right. Tried and tested is we'll bring in someone that's got 200 league games and scores 30 goals a season, and they're going to be on 300 grand a year, as an example, yeah. number wise. So it's and like I was saying earlier, is do you do it for the money or do you do it then to prolong your career? Because there's so many players that have that have been at the big clubs. They've done well, but they need to utilise that and go, right, well, I'll go and get my experience somewhere else with the likes of, if, if like you say, the one at Man United, is if you're at Man United at the time, and Man United can pay towards your salary or there's a contribution from a, a League One team, at least you're going there and you're proving yourself and you're proving that you're hungry to succeed as well. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's a really interesting insight into that, and something that not a lot of people probably probably realise. Was it daunting when the time at Albion came to an end? Was it sad that that it, how it came to an end? Obviously, came there was a lot of promise, I imagine, with the, you know mm. the club paying a fee for you, and you were sort of so close to it, and then obviously, as you said, a change in circumstances. What was it? What was it like at the end? Can you can you recall? Can you recall that? Oh, again, it, it's. Again, when you've got the, the kit, even from the kit man, the physios, even Richie Rawlins, who's the physio now, he was actually my physio at Wrexham when I was younger. Um, so there, there's so many, again, when you grow up, there's so many people. A club's not just the managerial team, it's all the backroom staff that, that, again, the fans don't necessarily see, but these are the guys that you see every single day. These are the people that are working and they're not, applauded in the same way as as you're a striker you come on you score goals you're a hero but you don't see the physiotherapists behind that the masseuses behind that all the people that have prepared that person to be at to go out there and be successful so again it's it, it is a family down to the chefs in the in the canteen um yeah down to the bus drivers down to everything it is that that that's a sad thing because it's like you're leaving a family Whereas, like I said to you at the beginning of the podcast, is you come into somewhere because you feel like it's home. But then you make that home, you you then have the family to kind of work with every single day. And then it is sad to, to move on because 
it's something that's not your choice. So then, but you can't then rest on that too much because otherwise you're still young. You have to be successful in what you're doing. So it's kind of right. How can I take that energy and put it in, into your into your belly's fire and, and move forward with it as well? So that's what when, I did. When that ended, you know, you mentioned there you went to to Spain. I'm going to open my pronunciation right. Baracaldo uh, club, yeah. club football. What? You said Cyril Regis was your your agent. What was there any other moves on the table and what attracted you to Spain apart from the sort of sun, sand and you know? No, of course. Of yeah. <laughs> so again, I had uh, I said Brentford had an offer from Brentford um, to to go there at the time. I didn't feel that the football would have suited the way that I played, to be honest. Um, again, more continental is again. I was trying to think of okay, well, if I can test myself again um, and I can become a bigger fish in a smaller pond, then there's opportunity then to grow, if that makes sense. Um, so that was one of the reasons to, to obviously to move to, to Bilbao in the north of Spain. <laughs> what what division would that have been? Was that, was that sort of the one under La Liga at the time? or Yes, it was similar to League One here. League One. League One, yeah. What was it? Was that, so you'd have been, what was that, early 20s, maybe 23, 24 at the, at the time? Uh, I'd been 20, 20 at the time. 20 at the time, that, so that's... That's a that's a big big move to sort of make at the no, time. It's probably probably one of the more you know we mentioned there obviously the attractions of Spain, but probably one of the harder moves. You you, you probably would have had a you know an easier one sort of staying in the UK or, or closer to your family. You know that was a, a difficult brave move almost. No, of course, but I think you've always got to test yourself. Is if you're in your comfort zone, you're only going to to kind of stay at that level. Whereas if if you go there and you prove yourself, and again it's. It's about making calculated risks, should I say. Um, but again, it, it, yeah, of course, it's comfortable to stay here or to go back and play in the League of Wales, which I had offers for. But like, why am I? No disrespect to people playing the League of Wales, but that's not why I started to play football. My dreams were to play for my country and to play in the Premier League. So again, then if you can look at, okay, well, what's the next best thing? If I can then go and play abroad. And play in another country and again at the time you have Barcelona you have Real Madrid growing up watching those guys is okay well why can't I then try it in that league if I can't make it in this one <laughs> and then you had the, the the move to Spain Rob how did that come about obviously Cyril Regis was your agent there he's got you out in the the sun and the and the sea and the the coastline and and, and all that stuff but how was the move I know I mentioned about research on your Wikipedia page it says it was a nightmare spell um, is that is that the is that the case? What was it like out there? No, again, moving moving from Wales, like I explained earlier, Wales to to Birmingham um, at the age of sixteen was was quite daunting. However, then moving then from from Birmingham at the time then to to Spain at the age of twenty um, again was was very difficult. Um, language barriers. I lived in the Basque region, um, so again, it's not not. You mentioned sun, sea, and sand there, but uh, it was far from it. It was it was more blustery and 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 rain than Wales, um, but again, it, it, it's a good a good club, um, great facilities. Um, even training, we train three times a day. Um, there was a hotel on the complex, training complex. So you would train, you'd stay, you'd sleep, you train, sleep. Um, but again, from that perspective, it was it was difficult in regards to. Um, Again, then sits in family members. Um, 
again and, and friends and family back home. So I kind of got a little bit homesick at that point then. Um, but again, that was, again, one of the reasons you look beyond then just, just football. Um, and I know you're going to think I'm mad by saying this because people who haven't played football previously, um, it's their dream to play football. But in reality, once you've achieved your dreams, it's then difficult then to, to kind of explain to people that there's more to living the dream and then the commitments that have to go in as well. Um, yeah, you don't you don't get to see a lot of your family. You miss a lot of birthdays and Christmas. Um, again, the things that a normal childhood would have or then from a family perspective is what you'd have. But again, you have to miss these things because of the, the dedication moving forward. And at that point, I, yeah, I got to the realisation that there was more to life than than just playing football and being away from your family. So, yeah, so that's can, that's one of the. Can you remember things. making that decision in terms of you know giving up football? Was it was it down to, as you say, the isolation of being quite lonely out there in Spain? You know, not a lot of people speaking English. Is what was the the reasoning behind it in the end? And, and can you remember when you made that that call? No, it's a, it's a good question and, and as an example. So, again, I mentioned for 10 years, I was traveling an hour and a half each way um, to Wrexham and I was doing that three, four times a week with my mum and dad. So, again, it, you're not even just thinking of yourself at that point. Um, you're thinking of them and the commitment and the finances that they've put into that, um, time that they've put into that and then traveling all over the world. Um, yeah, so it's not, it's not an easy decision, but then you get to, to a position in life where you go, right, which road do I need to take now? Do I stay on this road? And again, you can be successful um, to a certain extent, or do you then go, right, I'm still young enough now, I, I have the qualifications, do I then follow another path um, and use the football to my advantage? Um, again, because any walk of life people talk about football they discuss football it's always going to be in my past um and i use it to, to help me in, in the future as well and again i touched on off off um off camera earlier that would yeah even from the charity perspective so again with without being at west brahm i wouldn't have been able to go to kenya with with the albion foundation and, and help support one of, one of the orphanages there and again th this is a a bigger outlook on life and Again, I, I say there's more to life than football, but again, football brings all these things together as well. So it goes hand in hand. You mentioned the Albion Foundation stuff there. We, we sort of skipped over it before. Was that um, after you'd finished the Albion? Was it around this time when you'd finished sort of professionally or finished when you were in Spain? Yeah, yes. But at the time, it, and, and, and when we went was during the off-season. Um, so again, when when you got to have your relaxation and recoup and for the season starts and pre-season and a lot, of, a lot of the other team members would kind of go over with their families or they'd go and relax to some nice destinations after a hard hard season whereas I thought right what, what can I do that's different and how can I utilize my time now because during the season you're not going to ever be able to do that so yeah I I went to to, to Kenya um, I think it was for two and a half weeks um, during that time and it, it was a hard hard slog um, but it also puts puts life back into perspective in regards to okay there's no electricity in the evenings there's no there's no running hot water 
um, the simple things that we take for granted. Um, so that kind of makes you a better person as well. So I thought, well, if I can give back, and again, it, it, it's nice that people donate, um, but I wanted to actually physically go there, show my support. Um, I'm not really a handyman, let's be honest, but at least I uh, got stuck in with a shovel and kind of helped support in that way. And again, when you see the smile on, on, on these kids' faces, just from the fact that they've got a roof over their head, it's, it's obviously quite heartwarming. So. Did you go, with, were you an Albion player at this time? Did you go with other Albion players or was it something you did off your own back that you wanted to do or...? No, and again, I mentioned then about the album being a family, and again, I've got friends within um, within the, the community there as well. So again, they, they'd approached me and said, oh, what would you think about this? And yeah, I was open to it. And again, if I can show my support and I can be the leader and kind of other people can follow suit, then, then so be it. So it's one of, one of, the, one of the greatest experiences I've, I've actually been on as well, so. Brilliant. And we'll just sort of we'll come towards the end of the podcast now, really, because that is, you know, you mentioned there, was it you you said to yourself in Spain, you, that's it, I'm going to retire from professional football. And I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm still going to play. Obviously, if you look at your list, I think you played for Hensford, Worcester, Oxford, I think Oxford United for a, for a short spell. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you finished back in back in Wales. Did is Was that what you said to yourself in Spain? I'm going to come home and, and sort of finish professionally. And, and No, of course. Back. I want to. I wanted to, again, and, and guys come towards the end of their career. And again, I was there fortunate with a lot of successful um, players that we, we, we've mentioned there through, through the times. Um, and they were getting to the age of 34, 35. Uh, and, and then they're thinking to themselves, oh, what, what can I do now? Um, coaching wasn't really something that I wanted to get into. Um, do I go do TV presenting, not not really. So again, I was thinking, right, if I can ground out now, by the time I'm 35, I've got 15 years experience in another profession, um, which I've been able to do and I've been successful in, in, in what I've done. Um, so it was at that point where you have to soak it up and realise, right, okay, because again, people... Unfortunately, a lot of people retire because they're injured um, or they're not good enough. It's simple. Um, whereas I had the realisation, I was like, right, well, I'm not going to let any of that jeopardise me and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to create another career. Um, and again, yes, it is hard and it's a, a hard pill to swallow, should I say, for a few months. But you just have to dust it off and, and, and kind of move forward, should I say. What career did you go into? You mentioned there you're looking at sort of things within football. Did you stay in football or obviously you carried on playing part-time in football at that time? Yeah, no, so I carried on playing part-time. And again, um, yeah, so even being in Essex, um, the team Billericke. Um, so at the time, the owner, uh, Glenn Tamplin at the time, he, he invested a lot of money. He, he spent £2 million on the stadium. Um, first of all, he brought in Jamie O'Hara. Um, then, he, then he brought myself in. Um, with then Kevin Foley that, that played for Wolves as well and there was Jermaine Pennant so we had a strong team for, yeah. for the semi-professional we'd done the treble in the, in the first season as well so um, it was good fun um, again like you mentioned we spent two million on the stadium it was professional we, we trained at West Ham's training ground but again that, that was still part-time that's part-time so within that with, with my job I was able to, to kind of carry on with that but no it's um, yeah, I'm in in the construction industry so it's a 
yeah, worlds apart, shall I say. But the, the good thing is now is, as an example, we supplied the building materials to build Tottenham Football Stadium, supplied the building materials to build St George's Park. So I'm still involved in football in still some way. Up, but yeah, I'm yeah. Fantastic. And, to, and that it came to sort of an end there. Was that when you... You stopped really playing down at, at Billericay. I know you mentioned Glenn Tamplin there, and if, if you punch his name into Google, I'm sure supporters will see he was a, a colourful character in that club. You know, it was quite a colourful football club. You played again. You went back to to, to Tawin. Um, yeah. I, I see on sort of your, your CV. Did you go back and, and play there for a little while, sort of amateur level, and and just sort of playing for the love of it? Yeah, of course. And again, it's, it, it's the, the guys I've grown up with in school, and again. All they've known is, is is being there in Wales, and again, if I can come and I can help them and kind of grow them. So again, I'm on I'm on the the board there as well. So it helps again with with fundraising for the club and kind of just kind of trying to give the youngsters there that kind of hope that okay, well, if you want to succeed and you put the hard work in, you you can succeed. So it's kind of just in, installing kind of fundamentals there, and and again, we mentioned the charity work, and again with the football club we managed to to do a big charity event where we've done um, a spin class so again with, with the bikes we've, we've done that over a, a number of hours to kind of raise money for the air ambulance in, in wales as well um so it's just just being there kind of giving them that kind of hope and yeah just in, in installing some some standards around there as well to kind of make them better people so i know you're back down south now but is that something you're still doing you're still involved back up there or you still do little, Not yet. little bits still and involved, still, still um, speak to them regularly, um, kind of on an advisory role, kind of to see where they're at or how they're getting on. And yeah, it's just just improving the local area. And fundamentally, if you can put things in place like better coaches or not better coaches, but you can help them or point them in the right direction of, right, there's, there's these courses, um, that's a requirement to kind of improve it, then... Yeah, it can only be better for Welsh football at the end of the day. And yeah, if they can see the routes that I've come through. And as an example, um, I grew up with Tom Bradshaw, who's obviously just um, done well now for Millwall um, and play for Wales again at the weekend. But if we can lead the way and we can show kids from from the local area, well, if you if you really want to do something and you want to follow your dreams, then then go ahead with it. So fantastic. I- just one of the sort of final questions as we wrap up are the boots firmly sort of hung up now when's the last time you sort of pulled them on or you're still pulling them on or plan to to keep pulling them on no well the last the last time is um obviously for, for the testimony and, I mentioned the test, yeah, with, of course. And, and with james which which is great again because it, yeah the, the, when you haven't seen the guys for so long and it, it, it just feels like it was yesterday and nothing's changed um but it was yeah, it was it was some good fun. Would um, you have been at the football club with them then, Rob, or did you sort of cross paths as they were sort of joining? Yeah, no, so I wasn't. So with uh, with James, I would have played against him when he was at Middlesbrough at the time um, in the reserves. Um, Brunty, I'd never come across. So I was there, obviously from from that perspective. Um, but again, all all the players where Ishmael Miller I played with or played against, sorry, when he was at Man City and we lost him in the FA Youth Cup. I was um yeah obviously we we lost to them they had a such a strong team at the time then as well um yeah there's there's probably 25 of the, the guys i've either played with or played played against yeah. at the time nice to see your old mate martin albrookson as well for these sort of no, it's good, yeah. 
Yeah, it might. He's a uh, he's good character, but you'll have to uh, you'll have to grill him when when you get him on here. So yeah, good stuff. And just finally, how how do you look back on your Albion, your time at Albion, and how it all came around? You know, do you have any regrets? Obviously, you know there are things that were out of your hands, managers changing and stuff like that. What what's your overriding sort of feeling when you look back on that time? No, of course. I think from from my perspective is I, I give it my all. Um, and every day is if you give it your all, and at the end of the day, it's it's not. Great. Listen, we'd all like to sit here and say I played 500 games and I scored 200 goals, and of course you would. Who would? Who wouldn't? But at the end of the day, it's it's about building their memories. Um, every day when you go into to training, and again, if you're a part of something, and again, we say the Great Escape season. Yes, I didn't have a, a great part in regards to being on the field playing in that sense, but again. I was, I mentioned the backroom staff and all the rest of it. I was still there to, to witness that in the changing room to kind of train with the guys every day to kind of prepare them. Um, so again, the, the, yes, just because I'm not in the headlines, should I say, it doesn't mean you're not part of, of, of something that, yeah, is, is always going to go down in the history of the club. So. Fantastic, Rob. That's been absolutely brilliant. I don't think we'll ever have a baggies broadcast where we'll talk about John Artson's pants and a car ride with Jeremy Peace in the in the same conversation. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs>